When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood Raw, there's a reason. From page six to TMZ, Daily Mail, and People Magazine, everyone is talking about the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt and Adam Glenn. Welcome to the Hollywood Raw podcast. I'm Dax Holt. That is Adam Glenn. Together, we make up Hollywood Raw. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Adam, I am so excited for today. Uh, we're going to have on one of my dearest friends, Jillian Sheldon, who I have known for ages uh basically she was there at the beginning of tmz with me she was um the publicist for tmz back in the day then she became the managing editor i believe was her title hopefully i'm not messing that up uh but she was a huge part of the evolution of tmz and you know what got us talking about having her on with it was this vice documentary that aired recently um I didn't love it. I was all over it. Um, I I will get into the reasons I didn't love it. Um, just felt a little uh, duped by the whole thing, but uh, it did. Uh, it brought up some nostalgia because Jillian was also all over this Vice documentary, um, and so we were like, "Let's have her on. Let's let's literally go back into time. Let's go into a time capsule." back to the early days of TMZ, talk about the evolution of it, how it became the biggest website, entertainment website on the planet. And, you know, because really we lived through this time period where there was a handful of us that were in a newsroom with TMZ before it was even TMZ and how it evolved. And I don't know, Adam, I think you're going to, you're going to like some of these stories. Why well, like Jillian? So it's going to be a fun conversation. I mean, this girl is the one who she started TMZ with Harvey. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure she's got some good stories. I want to hear her, her perspective from starting TMZ. I watched the vice documentary. I, w- I was, uh, I was interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some, yeah, I was interested in it. I thought it was, pretty uh, i mean i thought it was pretty accurate i thought it was pretty accurate but i I also think they should have just i don't think they praised tmz enough for what they did for the there there was there were parts that were accurate to an outsider there were lots of things that were inaccurate to the people that were there when it began um and so I, I did have some frustration with the show. I think I had some frustration with what I was pitched versus what aired. And it was funny because there was a lot of like shaming TMZ for things that they did. But then I felt like 
they went and kind of did the same thing. And I've done a lot of fucking work with Vice, dude. A lot of work with Vice. I I truly do enjoy them. I've done a lot of these like um, you know, dark side of 2000 or dark side of comedy episodes where we talk about these comedians like Roseanne Barr, Dustin Diamond. So I've done a shit ton of work with them and I just kind of felt like they did me a little dirty on this one because I whatever we'll get into it i'll I'll wait until jillian's here so i can kind of give my grievances of why i didn't love it so much um but anyway we'll get into that uh should i should we get to review let's get to review you have a review ready right i got a review for us all right this one five stars from bs young three keep it up i started listening to your show after hearing you on juicy scoop and fluently forward i love your personalities and perspective on hollywood this is one of the few shows i listen to religiously every week keep up the great work and thank you for keeping me entertained from bs young three thank you you know we haven't had we haven't had shannon on for a while from fluently forward she would be like we need to remember her for the raw rundown on the weekends because i feel like she would crush it at one of those again yeah 100 percent. anyway i love yeah she's great um let's get to the podcast uh tell us about our guest today dex well, uh, today's guest is a really good friend of mine, Jillian Sheldon, who uh, it, honestly, she was one of the biggest, most influential people at TMZ during its conception days, during its big launch. Uh, I was at her wedding. She was at my wedding. We we went through it all. We, we lived in the trenches at TMZ together, and she has gone off to do numerous other things. But I want to get into her days at TMZ. Jillian, welcome to Hollywood Raw. Jillian, thank you so much for coming on the Hollywood Raw podcast. Good to see you. Thank Um, you. So I want to reach out to you, and I said to Dax, I said, we need to talk to Jillian because Vice just did a documentary about TMZ, you were on it. Dax was on it. And I want to hear more about your story. And what, first of all, your thoughts on t- what were your thoughts on the documentary? Where I mean is, like, was your phone blowing up since the documentary <laughs> came out? I, um, I keep asking Dax about that. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think anybody remembers that I used to work there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, so I mean, if you think about my timeline, um, I will say, and Dax, I'd love your thoughts on this. I know we texted a little bit, but um, the timeline that they used on the documentary, if you watch it, really jumped around. It wasn't really linear from beginning to end. And so, um, like, please remember, I left in the end of 2000 actually 2008. So I left even before Michael Jackson died. I was still with the parent company of TMZ Telepictures. So I was still sort of in the building, but I was gone. And so there was a lot of stuff that they cut up and looked like I was commenting on that I I was not there for. Um, And so I don't know if you felt like there was a little bit of free license with the timeline situation. Yeah, they they definitely messed with the timeline, you know, from the beginning of TMZ to like what it had become. And I got to say, I was actually really frustrated with this documentary. I felt kind of duped with the whole thing. (laughs) I don't know if you felt the exact same way. Me too. And you know how, yes. I'd love to hear why you thought that. So... 
you know, I listen, they, they reached out this little inside baseball for all the fans here listening to the podcast. But, you know, they reached out. I don't know if that was like, what, six months ago or something like that and said, hey, longer, longer than six months. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I do so many of these random documentaries. My timelines all mushed together. But they reached out and they said, hey, you know, we've we're doing this like documentary on all the blogs and the websites of the early 2000s. And, you know, the title of it kind of got me like the the dark side of the 2000s. And so I'm like, uh, and I literally wrote back to the lady and said, I really appreciate you reaching out. Um, it sounds like that will not be something I want to participate in because if it has to do with TMZ and it's going to be done in a negative light, I don't want to be a part of it. Like TMZ, you know, I, I had my career started there. And so I, I don't, I'm not someone who's going to talk shit on TMZ. It's not my thing. I, I'm greatly appreciative of all the time that I had there. You know, not every day was wonderful. I'm not going to lie. Um, I learned so much and I, you know, it was, but at the same time, I'm like, I owe a lot to TMZ to get me to where I am today. So I will not talk shit on it. And she's like, no, 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 no. I, we love TMZ. Like those were literally her words. We love TMZ. TMZ is just one aspect of this uh, show. And so um, I promise nothing will be bad. And then the fucking documentary drops and it is let's shit on TMZ for an hour straight. And PS let's shit on Harvey, let's which shit, like all over, all Harvey, over the Harvey. whole time. So here for me, I'm of a very people, um, Dax, you and I get called a lot. I get called a lot. And I don't know if anybody's, you know, I, I, who knows if there is any TMZ history of files, but noticed I rarely comment on it because um, some of my closest friends, Dax, you included, Adam, I'm sorry, we missed each other. I was not there and you were there. So we yes, kind of were just passing the night. <laughs> um, but some of my closest friends, these are people who were at my wedding. I mean, Dax, I was at your wedding. I mean, these yeah. are people that I, that I really care about. Um, we worked really hard to create something that was really phenomenal. There are a lot of different opinions about what TMZ was, is today, how it changed and, you know, and the inner workings of it. But for me, full stop, this is something that at the time I worked really hard at, and I have a lot of friends who were there are still are still there. And I felt the same way. When I first talked to the producer, I was like, I'm really not interested. And people call me all the time, like from, from big, huge outlets to small outlets to everything in between. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about it? Because it's obviously part of my, um, my resume. It's on my LinkedIn. You, people who remember know, and I'm connected with everybody on the show and um, at the website. And so I, I agree. I felt pretty duped too, because I said the same exact thing. I am not interested in airing dirty laundry. I am not interested in getting into the inner workings of stuff. Because if you want to talk about how we changed the face of entertainment news, I'll think about it. And I went back and forth with them, like I think you did too, Dex, for a while. And I finally was like, uh, and the, the, the headline and the name of the series really did give me pause, but they, you know, and th this was, these were good producers. They were like, this mm -hmm. is, um, you know, that's how we're going to get people in. And, you know, I got that. I wrote nasty headlines at times and really salacious headlines because you wanted people to, to click. So I thought, okay. And so for me, I prepped myself and I answered my questions, um, how I wanted to answer them. And, um, 
I, I did feel a little when it came out. Um, there was a little, first of all, um, while I, I think there were, well, they labeled me as a co-founder and I think that's a really well, tricky actually, thing. Let me, let me start with you. So before we get into this, what was, you started at, TM, before you even started at TMZ, okay, what was your first job in the entertainment business? Uh, so I uh, worked in television news. I was uh, in local news in Seattle. I worked for ABC, NBC, and Fox. So I was an assignment editor. I was a producer. I was a writer. Um, I did traffic maybe once. And, um, you know, in, in the Seattle market, which is market number 12, the 12th largest market in the country. So I started there. And then in, that was in Seattle. And then in 2002, I graduated from college in 1996. Yes, I'm old. Um, and I worked in TV news until I moved to LA in 2002. And that was to do publicity for a show called a launching show called Celebrity Justice. And Celebrity Justice was um, created and executive produced by Harvey. It was born out of extra. So I started with Harvey in 2002. So you, Dax, you worked at that show as well, correct? No, I was I was never part of Celebrity Justice. Celebrity well, Justice had there. been canceled or went off the air. I don't really know the whole history. Was canceled Celebrity. after three years. And then I came in right, I guess, after that point when you guys had started to come up with the concept of this breaking entertainment news site. Didn't have a name, didn't have any of that for it, but it was like... Well, hold on. It wasn't breaking entertainment news, remember. When we started, it was we were canceled. Um, Celebrity Justice was canceled in May-ish of 2005. And then AOL had merged with Warner Brothers, Telepictures, the syndicated production arm of Warner Brothers. They... Uh, Jim Peritori, who um, is now no longer with us, but was the president of Telepictures, they wanted to create a video site. Digital video was starting on on um, the web. And they wanted to create a video site out of Extra's video library. Extra on at that time had been on the air for almost 20 years, I think, a long time. And so they had, if you can imagine, hours, hundreds of hours of video footage of red carpets of the very first interview with Angelina Jolie when she was 12 years old with John Voight, her dad. Uh, they had, you know, set visits from the Indiana Jones and, and um, Raiders of the Last Ark from like 1981. I mean, they had all this video and they wanted to be able to monetize that video. So it wasn't about breaking entertainment news really at all. It was more about maximizing um, that video library and also using that vehicle for some breaking entertainment news. Because with Celebrity Justice, if you know about syndicated television, you feed the show at one o'clock. It's not like a live newscast that you're watching. You have to feed your show so it can make it on the air. So by feeding it, you have to record everything. Everything is recorded and then you feed it. So if something happens at four o'clock or eight o'clock or somebody files divorce, it files for divorce at five o'clock when in the courts, you, you, your show you've while everybody yeah. you've totally missed it and so what where we were able to create some movement with celebrity justice was that we could have harvey somebody got into a car accident somebody filed for divorce i could have harvey as the publicist on a cnn on an msnbc on a fox immediately and what we started to see was that more people knew about celebrity justice from seeing harvey on television interviews and in print interviews and in newspapers that were crediting as reported by Celebrity Justice um, versus seeing the show. Because the show was on literally in the middle of the night in between two infomercials. It's kind of like the James Corden effect. You know all about the show, but never watch the actual show. 
Correct. And that was where we really started to gain momentum. And at that point, too, we started posting court documents on the website because I don't know if you remember the website, The Smoking Gun, Um, Mm -hmm. but The Smoking Gun used to, and that was the first time. I think it is. Yeah. But I mean, now it's like, it was right. But the smoking gun would post public record court documents. Nobody else did. And at that time, those kinds of the websites for these shows were like, this is where you can watch it. And here is the bio of the anchor and maybe some photos of the reporters. And so we started to use the website like that for, um, you know, for celebrity justice. And so then it transitioned into, um, okay, we have this, Let's create this website that mostly uses old video. And they wanted to do like three, four minute long old videos. And Harvey being a breaking news guy was like, that doesn't necessarily work. And so it really evolved over that summer, the summer of 2005, of what will this be? And um, there were a lot of different cooks in the kitchen, AOL, telepictures, Harvey, our team. Um, I remember the first day I met Dax, who unfortunately was on crutches. And no, who, those crutches were like, <laughs> got me a job, dude. They absolutely did. And were you, you were an intern for us for a minute, weren't you? I know. I was an intern for Extra. For Extra. And you came upstairs and then you came, because we were upstairs from Extra. And so we would get everybody who was an intern. And then it was like, okay, you can come upstairs and work on this project because nobody knows what it is. But yeah, Dax was first on, I remember when he showed up on crutches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I crutched upstairs, put out there my hand, and next thing you know, I was doing red carpets for them. And then a couple months later is um, when everything really broke with the Paris Hilton car crash video. November. And and then next thing you know, it was like we were off and running. Adam, what was your first memory of TMZ even before you worked there? I knew nothing about it. My, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It's mine because I came in right after Jillian. So I heard a little bit bits and pieces of it. But at the time, I was more into Perez Hilton because I was mm-hmm. reading the blog more. And what happened was a buddy of mine said, hey, I met a guy who works for TMZ. And he works at TMZ in New York. I didn't believe. I was like, dude, this guy's lying to you. There's no way this guy works for TMZ in New York. And he's like, no, this guy actually works for TMZ New York. I'm like, it's an L.A. show. I didn't know they had. And then he was telling me that the guy was a paparazzi and the kid was a young kid. He was younger than me. And I was young at the time. There's like a 23-year-old kid as a paparazzi in New York. I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't think it existed in New York. And then I met the kid and he was um, he, he was pretty legitimate. And then I found out he was real. And I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about it to be honest with you. So I, did, I didn't so, watch the show. I didn't know anything about it. Well, yeah, it, it was, and it was a crazy evolution from the beginning. Like I'm thinking back, Jill, cause I mean, we, we were in a room of what less than 20 people when it first started. First, How many it was six. Were there? It was six? you, me, Daniel, Antonio, Mike, Mike Morgan to start, right? Lisa. Chad Weiser, Lisa, <laughs> Lisa, <laughs> Um, ben Presnell at the courts. Yeah. Yeah, there was like let there was like 10 of us that were starting yeah. this little thing. Oh, Josh. And, Levine. And Josh. And then it just it blew up so fast, Adam. Like I can't even tell you how quickly this thing went from you know, I was on red carpets and when people say why are you here? I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm here for AOL." Because that was my like calling card was that AOL was such a big company at the time that I'm like, oh, I'm here with AOL and Warner Brothers to do some interviews. And 
And then after four months, you could say, I'm here with TMZ. Because well, but remember, that, we didn't do a lot of red carpets, though. No, so I, but we that's, were, I did. I did at the right. beginning. I did we were, red carpets. I did right. weird interviews, midnight elevator interviews. Remember like midnight elevator? Crap. Oh, yeah. my God. We had the craziest shit. So, you know, initially Dax was on the red carpet. And then all of a sudden it was like it was almost like one day it was like, we're not doing red carpets anymore. This is not who we are. Remember how we were always saying, is this us? Is this a story is us? Mm -hmm. It's not us to do this. And so we were finding our voice, Adam, for like a, a hot minute there of realizing yeah. that all the other entertainment shows, all they were doing was the same shit. You would flip through access entertainment, uh, you know, whatever else is on. And it was literally the same thing regurgitated in a different format with a different host. And that is, I think, really why TMZ exploded onto the scene so much, because you would flip through those ones, they would all look the same, you'd get to TMZ, and all of a sudden, it's a girl in a bikini, or someone getting arrested, or a car crash, or, you know, something else that was flashy, exciting, and different. And it wasn't sugarcoated. And I think that's really what people were like, yeah. oh, shit, like, so, this thing is crazy. So let me ask you both this. How did a long, how long did it take for TMZ to find its voice to say, this is our kind of, not even demographic, but our kind of style of doing stories. And this is kind of the, just the story. Yeah, the style of how we do stories and what we're going to choose as stories. And B, also, how did how long did it take to mold TMZ into a television show? That was a year. Well, so long, no, television shows launched in um, fall of 2007. And I think the intention was always Dax, um, you know, the, the television show versus the website was a very interesting dynamic in the newsroom too, um, because there were people, who, OG people who were there with the website were not really jazzed at first about the TV show. I'm not really speaking out of school, am I, Dax? <laughs> I don't think so. No, because no, we worked... Some people liked it. Some people did not. Yes. And, and it was hard because if you think about it, think about, again, this was a syndicated show. So we would post in real time for breaking with breaking news. The show had to find its own voice because, again, it dealt with the same things that we dealt with at Celebrity Justice. The show would have to feed. You could update the feed, but breaking news happened all the time. So the show and the website really shared a common brand. But if you watch, the show went into much more, um, you know, in-depth or, um, you know, funny and really focused on the newsroom bullpen of it all. Mm -hmm. the, the website was the meat and potatoes breaking news because it had to be. You couldn't, we would have yeah, been live. You and couldn't then I have think, as much personality on the website right. because people just want the news and the information. Right. That was the and newsy then, side. Yeah. And then TMZ Live was born out of that because of just the nature of the expectations of us on the brand. So yeah. I would say it took about a year to really solidify that voice. And there were a lot of battles back and forth. There was a lot of, um, and that's building a basic Ooh, here, building here, of a brand. Here's Adam. When TMZ, the TV show started, you know, we had actual hosts for the show. Oh, right. <laughs> So who, who were the actual hosts? I never knew so that. So Katie Darrell was one. Yep. Ben Mankiewicz, who is like literally like the movie reviewer now. He's like Siskel and Ebert. And um, he's the grandson of the guy who wrote, what, uh, Citizen Kane? Citizen, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I forget yeah. who the other people were. Oh, Teresa Strasser. Teresa, Teresa Strasser. Strasser. Yeah. Um, um, one more, and I can't remember. But they were literally the four hosts. There was a makeup room. There was like, it was like a TV show, TV show, and they were pitching between each other. And all the feedback was nope. Nope. <laughs> that <laughs> nope, lasted nope, for nope. like a week. And people it were lasted. like, Oh, we don't care. And the one thing that I thought that the Vice documentary did get right is your depiction, Dax, of how the bullpen meeting came. That's what we did. If you didn't show up with a story, I mean, we would used to share a story. Remember if we had some stories and people were like, I don't have anything, we would share because we were like, oh my God, we have to have a story. That legit is how that worked. And the the pitcher meeting became the TV show. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And yeah. it was probably my favorite part of the day every day for 12 years was that morning yeah. meeting because it was so fun and crazy and entertaining. And it was like you'd have this high for like two hours in the morning. And then it was like, now you got to get to work. And now yep. like you don't stop for the rest of the day. Uh, but really, really. And I think you see that on the show. And I think that was part of the the reason that TMZ did so well when it came out is because they could see this like fun energy in the room but like the dynamics between the people and you started to really understand like personalities of people and the jokes that were made i mean there was a lot of jokes made at my expense over the years but it just became like fun and um yeah but Dex, I, I that's yeah. to me like yes that's a tv show but then the the everyone's trying to keep a job and impress the boss so how but not in the beginning not in the beginning, because we all had worked so hard. I mean, you, if you think about it, that's the TV show for a year. This is what the magic was. And this is why I am so sentimental about this was not just a job. I mean, we all were in the trenches. This was like, you can tell too, in the, those very early shows, we have inside jokes that we all still, if we were on a group text and somebody said, that's so raisin, we all would start laughing <laughs> hysterically. Um, and there was no, it wasn't so much important press the ball. It was just, we all really liked each other. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dex, and maybe I'm being Pollyanna about it, but we really all liked each other because we all were in this thing together. And that included Harvey. We all, I mean, the thing about Harvey is that he, and what I thought that the Vice documentary really did him a disservice, say what you will, he was there with you. It wasn't like a boss who typically is like, okay, I'm clocking out. Okay, all you um, minions and peons, you just do all the work and I get all the glory. He was in there from the very beginning. He was making calls just like you were he was excited for your wins he was excited for when we all got stories when we when we broke something it was like it we all were super excited and so in the beginning that's why that was so fun is because we all we all teased Dax there was Max in the back who was like making millions of dollars in stocks living on somebody's couch in Manhattan Beach I mean there was me and then we added Nina and we had Dennis Broad who had been who still is there Dennis actually started the same week I did well two weeks before at Celebrity Justice he's worked for Harvey for for 21 years. That's a long time. He gets a gold yeah. watch. But we all liked each other. And it, we all joked. It, it's 100% true, Adam. We were, it was like this group of people that uh, there were, it was a time in my life that I wouldn't, I would never, you know, want to change it. I was, and I, this was like fresh out of college. So I had all the time in the world. So I could go up there, hang out all day, then go out to dinner with people. Like, 
it was a different time in my life. And it was like, these people were legit family. But then yeah. my question to you guys is, you know, there's been a lot of people in and out of TMZ in the last, I don't know how many years. Why is there such turnover? These people, you know, not just including you guys, there's a lot of people that started TMZ that were, uh, you know, why aren't they still working there? Because people don't have, people don't have what it takes to stick around there. It is not, it's not yeah. easy because you have to work really fucking hard. And I'm going to say that with any entertainment job out there, you have to be the ones breaking the news all the time. It is a grind. It is a grind to work in entertainment news because it is 57 different outlets that are trying to break the news first. Like with everywhere, you know, you've got every blog site, every magazine, every website, every TV show, all of them are trying to break the news first. So you're constantly fighting against everyone out there. And it's like you you almost can't sleep because you've got to be on on your game all the time. And that's not an easy thing to do. Well, I mean, so the first story. Let me ask this before I even get to that. So what do you think TMZ was doing differently with breaking stories? Why? You know, what and how were they doing breaking stories that was making them unique? Um, I, I think we weren't listening to all the publicists and their their version of what the story should be. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jillian, but I think that all the other TV shows and websites and magazines had to listen to the publicists because if they didn't, they wouldn't get an interview with Angelina and Brad and Jen Aniston and all those people where we didn't give a fuck. <laughs> we literally didn't care. Uh, so how, what, why, what was TMZ doing differently to break all these stories? Jill, you take that one. You, uh, you well, probably know better. Uh, yeah. So um, I think the big thing is that um, we didn't need to or listen. We didn't need to submit to sort of that studio system. Right. Mm -hmm. So the studio system that really maintained, OK, so you want the next interview with insert a list celebrity here, then you need to play by our rules. And if something negative happens, then you're totally cut off from any sort of um, interview at all. And we didn't care about that. We didn't care about being at a junket. If you see those interviews that, you know, the junket interviews, they just do 20 interviews in a day with every single press outlet. Publicist comes in and says, you can talk about this, this, and this, which is the movie, the movie, the movie. You cannot talk about this, this, and this. You have probably three minutes and 30 seconds. It looks like those interviews are super long. Sometimes they give bigger outlets longer um, time, but that's it. And we didn't care about that. So you for know what, us, though? thinking back, Jill, that was a really hard concept for me to understand. Like oh, yeah. Not knowing the big picture. And I remember because I had started out doing these red carpet interviews and talking to celebrities and, and all this kind of stuff, I was like, wait, now we suddenly don't care about talking to celebrities. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? And then it over, you know, the next few months, I started to actually get it that I'm like, that they control everything publicists and these managers, these people controlled the entertainment industry because whatever they said, everyone had to bend over backwards and deal with it rather than reporting the actual factual information that was going on out there in Hollywood. And that's what TMZ did. They came in and by they, I mean us came in and broke down the door and said, no, we we're we're not going to just do your fluff piece to promote your movie and not talk about the fact that your client was arrested last night for a DUI on the side of the road. 
just because we want to have an interview with him. That would happen all the time. And so yeah. TMZ, you know, we, we changed the game. Yeah, but I remember, longer was it about publicists? Do you remember? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Adam. No, well, I was going to say, well, whenever, when you're a website, you could do whatever you want. You're just a website. But then you go on TV and you have to answer to Fox. Does Fox get involved and say, hey, hey, this is our talent. You're going against our talent. Like, no. chill out so a little the bit. First, well, the, the first time, Fox was the best. <laughs> the first time this ever happened was Oh my gosh. I want to say, Dax, I think this was December, January, February, maybe uh, um, right after we launched in November. Do you remember Beyonce and PETA? I don't. Okay. So we, um, we received a video. Um, Beyonce had done an auction. You could win a, a dinner with her and, um, somebody won the dinner. I think it was bidding. It was auction for charity. And this was a little, um, it, so who, the person who won the auction, um, they were having dinner at Nobu in New York and the, per, they were videotaping secretly. So there was a little sketch I involved there. This. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, they video, they were videotaping the dinner. Beyonce was quite young at that point. I mean, I don't even think she was, she was early twenties. I don't even, maybe not even 21 yet. Early, early twenties. Um, and the dinner is going fine. They're asking her about it was Beyonce and then a couple other people, maybe management. And all of a sudden, one of the people, there was two people. One of the people, the winners said, why do you wear fur? And she just looked and sort of looked around and they kept pressing her on why do you wear fur? Why do you wear fur? And, um, and then the video sort of stops. We got this video and it was PETA activists who had won the, um, who had won the auction and we were running it. And at that time, AOL music was a huge thing. And we were a part of AOL. And I remember getting called into Harvey's office because Harvey had gotten a call from some big, big mucky muck who had gotten a call from not only Beyonce's label, but I think actually Matthew, her dad, who was managing at the time, who was like, we will not, they were going to do a big thing with Beyonce and Destiny's Child. We will not do this if you run this. And um, there was a lot of pressure. And to Telepictures and Warner Brothers credit and to Harvey's credit, he was like, how are we different from a news organization then? If you pressure us to take something like this down, and that was the first time I remember really watching Harvey talk to executives like, no, we are, this is church and state, and we are, we are an, our own entity. And we ended up running it, and the world didn't collapse, the world didn't fall down, Beyonce, Beyonce handled it um, quite well with a statement from her team. It was, um, you know, it was a little bit of a surreptitiously recorded video, but I remember thinking, okay, so now we're really a news organization. This isn't going to be something that is, you know, just we're a news organization in name only. We were not going to be swayed by the, again, going back to the studio system. And that was a real test. That was sort of the first test of it because she was a huge star. She had done nothing wrong. So it wasn't like she'd been arrested or hurt anybody. This was um, something that wasn't she didn't say anything bad it was they asked her the question why are you, you know why do you refer or something like that she didn't respond so she didn't look bad but it was just a video that um you know i can understand her team probably didn't want out there and you know and what i think i learned no. through I, th through a lot of that was you can piss off publicists but if you are a big enough outlet they will always come back <laughs> 
100%. It doesn't matter. And Adam, I don't know if you feel like that. Like you, you you know, something goes wrong, but like they come back because they want the press or they need it for their next client or whatever the case is that, you know, even if you publish something that they don't love, you're the next big story. They're back in the fold with you. And I, and I always thought, oh, you piss someone off. They'll never come back. That's not true. Not in Hollywood. Well, and that also was how we handled, I mean, Harvey used to say when, because a lot of times I was the one who would have to call the publicist and say, okay, we have X, Y, Z. Do you have a statement? Do you have a comment? And Harvey would, it was really let help us to help you tell the best worst story. Because this was, a lot of this was public record. This was, you know, in those now, there was video, there were photos, there was a some sort of document, a police report, a court document before a lot of that stuff could be buried and there was no video. So a publicist could completely deny, 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 and it was your word against theirs. Now with the advent of camera phones, with um, you know public documents being, uh, we went to court to get public documents, there was no way you could deny it. So we found if we worked with people and we, we were always fair. And that's one thing that I, um, in the, going back to the vice documentary, you know, when I said things were reported, we were always fair. We always called for comment. That was 100% true. We always did. And that was something that was just sort of knee jerk. And it was, it could have been easier not to, and just publish, but we didn't. And, and I think, and you're just a blog, then you're just a blog. Adam, what did you think of the vice episode? You watching, I, I mean, obviously I you being an insider, but an outsider at the same time because you weren't there at the beginning. I'm just curious what your thoughts were on the Vice episode. I thought uh, this should have been a little bit more, um, a little bit more outspoken, vocal, I guess you could say, of how TMZ changed the game. Because mm-hmm. uh, it did. I mean, everyone was just like, man, who is this site? And it still happens today where TMZ does a story and everyone else pick, jumps up. Now they all jump on the story. If TMZ does the story, everyone else picks up the story now. That was one part, thought. The other thought was it was pretty accurate. I don't know. I thought it was very accurate to what the, what it was, you know, the, what it was like working for Harvey, what it was like being the energy in the room. I thought it was uh, very, you know, I know you guys are saying it was very nice and fun. And he was laughing, but I also think as soon as the, as soon as the, the cameras were off, it was very cutthroat. They, you know, it was either put up or shut up, and you need to have something every day you were working on. But not and everyone, the beginning. And you also held your accountable as well. Hundred percent, and there, you know, all of that is totally true. But I think at the beginning, when you were and you had asked earlier, um, how come there's all this turnover and what people can't, you know, and and Dax, you said, you know, people can't really hack it. I think if you look at like look at Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg started that with three other friends in his dorm room, and then it grew and grew. And sometimes things create have a life of their own, and they become beyond what it is in the very beginning. Our group was we all cared about each other. We all, I mean, we were all invested in Harvey's vacations. We were invested in people personally, you know, who was getting married, who was um, dating somebody new. We all were so close because we worked all the time. Again, in the beginning too, there was no schedule like here so-and-so works overnight. We all worked 24 seven. We had our phones on all the time. We didn't have kids. We didn't have, we didn't was, have kids. Was so I was not married. Yeah. It was really yeah, when we were young, <laughs> you know, and I think that what, why people now can't, I think it's just a different, 
it's not a startup anymore. We didn't know what we were building. We were just going to work every day and we really liked the work, the work that we were doing and we liked the people we were doing it with. Now it is, it is a more corporate entity. There are more mouths to feed. There are um, more expectations. In the beginning, it was the wild west. No one thought that we were going to do anything. I remember, and in the vice document, I say this, I was going to do it for six months and move to New York. I mean, I didn't know what it was and I didn't, I needed a job. So I'm like, okay, I'll try this. And then it became the lifeblood for all of us. And I think that in a startup environment, that's what happens. And now it's, I think for some, and I don't like, there's not a lot of people that I know who work there now. Um, but I think it's a job for some, for us, I, it was way, I mean, Dax, I don't it know. Was, what you, it, was it was way more than a job. Yeah, it was, me too. It was, every, it was so much for me. And that's Adam, why what, it was so leaving was hard. Yeah, know? I hear you. I hear you. Adam, what, what else would you ask us as in regards to just like going back in time that you've maybe never asked me personally about just the startup days? Uh, well, I would say, you know, obviously you start, you're starting up TMZ. Now, Michael Jackson's story was one of your, the biggest story. But, you know, we talked about the smaller stories or sort of building up to kind of like, hey, what is bubbling here? What is going on? Mm-hmm. How do you think, I think based on what other news sites were talking about TMZ, they considered it sleazy. Did you guys consider what you were doing sleazy? I didn't. I didn't. I mean, and it wasn't in, in and now I'll just talk for when I was there. It wasn't in the beginning. Mel Gibson was a really important story, um, not only because of what he said to a cop, but because the police actively suppressed that information. If any of the three of us had been arrested driving down PCH and said what he said to a cop and tried to kick out the back of a cop car and called the police captain at Los Hill Sheriff Department sugar tits, um, and we would have been locked up, thrown away the key. But when we called to find out what happened, we were told he was arrested without incident. That to me is important because what it showcased was the, showcased was the blatant hypocrisy of how LA worked. And I say that in the documentary, there were rules for everybody else who lives here and then rules for really famous, powerful people. Like rules for Harvey Weinstein, that's still, it's still happening to this day. There was a rule for Harvey Weinstein. People knew that that was happening for years and did nothing because he was so powerful. He was a hit maker. He made millions and millions of dollars for studios. I mean, the same exact thing. So sleazy, I mean, I, I, when people ask me that and, and I take issue with that from what we did from my time that I was there, we were reporting on things that a people cared about that be you know show truth to power which is what journalism is and you know who's to say that if you have an interest in Brittany and kevin Federline getting divorced that you're that's sleazy you're you have an interest in that they're a celebrity how we reported it was um again journalism it we like there were stories that we reported that were important that you know you can't have changed the face of entertainment journalism while also being sleazy. Now, you know, certain things take on a life of their own and there's always an evolution. But um, in the beginning, um, we were hardworking and we were covering news that people wanted to read about. I think full stop. when I, I always laugh about it because I feel like people have this, oh, sleazy mentality, but 
re in reality, it's like when I think of like paparazzi or cameramen or whatever, you know, they're out there in the, the wild taking the photos, taking the videos that people really want. They just don't want to see how it's made. But at the end of the day, they want to pick up the magazine. They want to look at the pretty photos. They want to see people on the beach in their bikinis. But the second you break that allure for them and you show the person with the camera, they're like, oh, this is just filthy. No, it's not. You wanted to see the photo. And these are the people getting the photo for you. And I feel like that's what TMZ did. We we pulled back the curtain on Hollywood and said, Let's have let's have the, the cameraman talk. Let's have them open up. Let's show them. Let's bring in the cameraman that got that video the night before and have them tell the story. Like there was just so many aspects that we did different. See, I, you know, it's and, so funny, Dax, I, what, what you're saying about that. And I, I, I speak for the camera guys. We thought we were, you know, the way we were treated at TMZ, we were treated like the misfits. And, you know, there we did think we were like the backbone of TMZ. But we thought, you know, we were very um, not respected by the people inside the, the newsroom. I, I would say, well, yeah, I'm going to tell you from my aspect, I never got to see any of you guys. Like we no, had yeah, none of us different, did. At, like I had nothing ever against any of the cameramen. I would say that I got there at 5.30 in the morning. You guys had already come in, dropped your tapes off, left. And I was gone by, you know, 3, 4. And people were coming in at five, six to to start their days. I never crossed paths with any of the cameramen and I never had anything against anyone. I think it was probably not you specifically, by the way, but I'm just saying in general. Yeah. yeah. Well, but think about the financial commodity of it. Right. Everybody to your point, Dax, everybody wants to see like, OK, so so and so celebrity wants butts and seats. You want to buy a ticket for your next movie. But then, you know, there's a. It, there was at that time, and now you can get into the inner workings, which I know you have on previous podcasts about the financial nature and the commoditization of being a paparazzo. And like a photo now doesn't have nearly as much financial value as it used to. Mm -hmm. But you guys were, and Adam, you know, Dax is ab absolutely right. The backbone of getting those photos and the videos were, you know, were um, guys out at night. And I think that there's a lot of indignancy when it comes to consumers who are like, oh, well, you know, gosh, that that just is it's invasion of privacy. Well, you read People magazine. If, if it's put in a nice, pretty package, is that not an invasion of privacy? I mean, the, it's all cyclical. If people didn't read it, People, um, people wouldn't advertising wouldn't be paid for around it, and then no, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't this be a whole, thing. It wouldn't be a thing. It is an absolute cycle. Advertising. It's just like I worked in local news, where we tried to. I worked for a station that really tried to do like let's lead with community information and lead with you know city no, council. People meetings. want car chases. They want death. They and want destruction. car chases. They want death and destruction. They won't watch news otherwise. And when news is generating income and profit. That's why publishers nowadays, like, you know, every single magazine is going bankrupt. Every single TV show is going bankrupt. Nobody watches local news anymore. Um, so how do you keep, it's a financial model. And for you guys, I mean, I think the only, there was never an us versus them, um, at least when I was there. And it's, you know, that makes me feel bad when I hear you say that, Adam, because I felt such camaraderie and so close with everybody who worked there at the time that like, and we had, I mean, we had some crazy folks who worked for us at various different times, but I always look at them <laughs> fond, right? <laughs> I always look at 
them fondly and you guys were out doing the work you you know um in the middle of the night i mean some of us were in the middle of the night in the newsroom but like i, you know I, I think that it's one of those jobs and i say this it's one of those jobs where people always say oh you should have asked this you should have asked that why didn't you do this and i'm like you guys tried and not saying you got uh, again i'm not saying no oh i know, you guys, I know. Oh, no, no no i know because we were getting we would get a lot of shit, you know and a lot of flack where you bust your ass and you go all out of your way to get a shot or sometimes dax as you know you don't know who's going to open the door you don't know if it's going to be lenny kravitz or if you know or if it's going to be lenny mm-hmm. dykstra you don't know who it's going to be so yeah. you're always on edge you're not really always prepared but you don't have that split second you you only have a split second to think of the first thing that comes to your mind well it's Monday morning quarterbacking you can't like it's easy for us to all say why didn't he ask that question you're absolutely right adam so we were always getting constant blow by people in the office you know by you know from producers to some of the the heads would give us a lot of shit and they they were uh they they made us feel like we're backs against the wall so that makes me go into this was Harvey Levin a very feared person by you guys? By people inside or outside? What I would say about? by outside and inside. Well, I, I think, think it's yeah, too different. Beca- yeah, I think there's two different, very different things there. But I think he became such a big, powerful person in the entertainment industry. I think a- people were absolutely scared of uh of tmz and getting caught up into the headlines and being the next person that are is in the crosshairs of a big controversy especially this day and age when one controversy can kill off a a decade of hard work you know it's like you see these people who make a mistake and next thing you know they're fired from their job all their advertisers have dropped them so yeah i think people were absolutely afraid of of Harvey. I don't know if uh, afraid of him though but if you think about it because he was the only personal physical embodiment of the brand right mm-hmm. cuz yeah. if you read TMZ everything is written by TMZ staff that was intentional so we all were sort of nameless faceless behind the scenes Harvey particularly when the show started and because he was our the person that we would put on camera to talk about our stories everybody saw him as the most powerful person but i think it, you can you conflate the two sometimes because they were afraid of like dax said the brand you know of being on the site harvey got a lot of the brunt of that because he was the the person who was very visible he was the face but it was in the beginning anyway a very collective effort this wasn't just harvey and um you know and a whole bunch of other people there was a lot of work that went with everybody he just happened to be the face Mm -hmm. and internally he um i will say um i have never had a boss who has um worked me harder but i also learned unbelievable amounts about being resilient and learning not to take no for an answer. And if um, one door closed, it, you know, and being resourceful, which, you know, you don't just go, well, I couldn't find the answer. And, uh, and, and Adam and I have said that a hundred times. We work yep. harder than anyone else anyone. out there. And it's been ingrained into our blood because of working for Harvey Levin. And you, like you said, you don't take no for an answer. You don't give up. You, you push beyond anyone else. And you look around and you go like, are these people sleeping? Why am I, why am I still grinding? And they are, they gave up. Or somebody I says, think. I called, and, but I haven't gotten a response yet. 
Mm. Well, then did did you call back? Did you email? Did you show call seven other people? Did you show up at their door? Okay, so then then you can come back and say, I'm waiting for a response, like waiting for a response was like, that was the kiss of death. You could never do that. And I find that now in and my job now in people who work for me, I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't just go, well, I don't know who to call. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's not how this works. You Now everybody can be found somehow. Let's, let's, you know, go on LinkedIn. Let's find these phone numbers. And so for that, I'm forever grateful. And I think that um, it's hard when you are in an environment like that, where there is pressure to perform. And some people take that, I mean, a a different way and it can be challenging uh yes he was demanding but his expectations for you were for me were higher than my expectations for myself and that completely changed how i um worked in the future forever and i haven't worked there in 15 years yeah yeah um but do you think that tmz in order to break some of these story, stories, do you think any of their practices were a little bit not more news morally appropriate? Not when I was there and not, what I, um, not when I oversaw it. Anything that I oversaw, no. Um, I, now- I, so, so I would say, Adam, I feel like TMZ gets a bad rap. I feel I like that is more of a, a public stigma that they, that's been put out there because these people are journalists. They are hardworking journalists inside that newsroom digging for answers. And I can tell you the New York times, the LA times, whoever you want to go to, they're doing the same shit. They're just not as good as TMZ. (laughs) It's really what it comes down to. But I think TMZ gets a bad rap because people, it's kind of like being Kim Kardashian. You people love to hate on her. People love to hate on TMZ as well. Do you, and I think, do I think that there were bad apples over the years who oh, yeah. made some there's poor been, decisions? There's been 100%. Bad people that have gone in and out of there for sure. Correct. And who made, uh, because they wanted to take the easy road and, um, and whether the easy road was money, the easy road was coercion, the easy road was, you know, I, I, you know, I was not there. So, but I've heard stories after the fact, but those were things that were not okay with Harvey. And remember, again, it's he's a lawyer is not just a funny tagline. I'm a lawyer, you know, he's a lawyer. <laughs> so a lot of this stuff was, um, you know, it, you can't. He knew, what, he knew what boundaries he could push, which ones he couldn't, what, what, where the, where the legal line was there. He, that, he was the perfect person to have at the helm because he knew what he could get away with and what you can't get yeah. away with it. Yeah. And I think I remember um, I was looking through some um, I was thinking about this the other day um, after the uh, the vice documentary aired. And I remember we drew up a code of conduct mm-hmm. for um, our camera operators. And one thing that we talked about from the very beginning was that um, at that time, you know, it was all financial incentive. If you got the shot, you got, you know, paid big bucks with these other um, photo agencies. With us, they were paid on salary. So um, when I was there, you, you know, whether you got the shot or not, you were paid the same. So there was no financial incentive to you know, race and, and blow through red lights and jump over fences and things like that. And in fact, because we were a massive, um, an entity that was uh, supported by a massive company, it was like, you may not break the law, you may not trespass, you may not, um, you know, accept money or, bri- or accept, like we had a whole code of conduct that our, um, our camera operators signed. 
in the very beginning. So that was something that was, um, and I can't speak to what happened afterwards. And, um, you know, maybe that changed, but that to me, I, I always felt like, and I always say that and people never believe that. I'm like, no, it was totally true. We were at the beginning, the anti-paparazzi because paparazzi had this real negative tone and we wanted to be, we were just a, a news site doing a different kind of journalism. That changed over the years, but in the beginning, that was um, something that was really important to all of us. So I have a question for both of you guys. Adam, you first. What do you think of TMZ now? Today's TMZ. Not as good. It's not Jill. good. Um, I don't know who anybody is. I remember we covered big, huge stars, and I look at the stories now, and I'm like, I don't know who they are. I don't think the writing is as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, when they break stories, they break stories. And that's always been, that's the calling card. Um, but I think breaking stories, big stories where we would do that. And when I say all the time, Dax, you know, it was big stories all the time, yeah. not, um, it, you know, Michael Jackson, Britney level stories all the time. I think now um, they, people have caught on and there's so much competition that, and now with social media, it's harder to people. I mean, it's just, it was lightning in a bottle. I I don't think that you could recreate it now. Um, I just, I also think that it's, it's just more, it's different. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I don't necessarily read it again, because I don't know who anybody is. I'm, I'm not, the, the celebrities that they cover aren't the ones that I am interested in. But then again, I'm an old lady, so. I still find myself every day. I, I still go. You're on it every day? A day? I still look at it. I still, and I think maybe because it's just ingrained in me. I don't know. I think that I will still check in on it more than I check in on other websites. And I, and I don't know if that's just because of what I've done for so long. Um, but I find myself every day, still check it out. I don't, but it's personally triggering for me because it's emotional. I yeah. read, I read all of the celebrity content, like it's my job. Um, but I have to, I had to step away and it's still, I mean, even like the, the vice thing you guys can tell at the end, it it's really hard and it goes back to, I was very close. This is my family. This was um, something I worked insanely hard on and I was insanely proud of. And I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners or like I said, people don't even know I was there. And I felt like I had an impact. I mean, I will ask you, Dax. I mean, you were there with you me. You were a huge part of, yeah, the the early TMZ days, getting it up and running, being a part of the newsroom, running the newsroom, all of it for, to me, it felt like a long time. So for you to say people <laughs> know who I am, it makes me kind of laugh because I feel like you were there for such a long time um, during my my tenure at TMZ. I remember I went to your going away party um, and, and I walked in and um, saw, you know, some people who were still there and there were so many other people who were like, can I help you? Who are you? But I, I did that like two years after I left, I went to Van's going away party and, and how did that feel? So. There were people there that obviously were a lot of people that still knew me, but then there were people that were new to the show that I, I don't know if they'd become big on the show. I hadn't watched the show in a little bit. And they looked at me like, who are you? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I ran so you could walk. What are you talking about? 
but it feels like if you, if it feels, it's a very, like, and Adam, I'm sure you too, like you see all of a sudden there's this turnover and it's a little like, okay, have a little respect for the people who were there from the very beginning. And, you know, and it's, I don't know, sometimes it's hard and it's a little melancholy. And of course my husband always says like, get the fuck over it. It was a long time ago, but it really was like being in a war with people that you really cared about and doing something that you really cared about and loved and were really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was fun. I mean, I, I think people like to hear like the genesis of TMZ and hear how it started up or, you know, not even just TMZ, but I feel like anything that has become so successful, um, to hear like what it was like back in the day before it became this, you know, this name brand that every household in, you know, the country, the world, whatever you want to say knows. And, you know, it it really was from a a time when I had to explain what the hell TMZ was to a time where I didn't have to tell anyone what TMZ was. Everyone knew what TMZ was. And that was pretty cool to be a part of that journey and that startup and, be there and look back and have these friendships for life with people like Jillian or Nina or, you know, just anyone out there that we were, we did this together. So this was fun, Jill. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jillian. Of course. I'd love to hear more about, you know, I'd love to, um, if you ever want to have me back again, which hopefully I was boring. (laughs) Um, I'd love to hear what your, um, like some questions that your readers have, because people always ask me, um, and then they ask me the crazy stories and, and, you know, that some of those I'll never share, but I'd love to know what they think. I mean, you know, for you guys, what, um, clearly it brought you two together, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is, that's the magic of what we did. Um, I'll ask you both, Adam, you first. What's the number one question you get asked uh, about your time there? I mean, really, it's not even about my time at TMZ. It's just about my job, particularly, and it, you know, my specific role. And they'll either ask, are the Kardashians cool? And B, who's the biggest asshole? Really? <laughs> yeah, who's the biggest asshole? Not, in ter- not who works at TMZ. Oh, no. Uh, it was more like which celebrities are asshole. No, they don't ever ask me about TMZ. It's always about the job specifically. When I was working at TMZ and on TV daily, the number one question is, what's in Harvey's sippy cup? Mm-hmm. That was the number one. And then after I left, my number one question is, why did you leave? That's, um, yeah. Do you remember who bought him that first sippy cup? No. Me. You did? <laughs> I did. You bought it. I remember I brought him once he, cause remember he had to have that whole, the, it was his drink in the morning and then we yep. got him the first sippy cup and then it became a thing. A thing. Yep. After that. And then yeah. it would change colors every year. Change for colors every know. year. You yeah. can go back and you can track seasons of TMZ yep. based on Harvey's sippy cup. Cause he would change it, change yep. the straw color Every year, it was like a whole thing. One time I walked into his office, I swear to God, guys, and there were 500 sippy cups all over the coffee table because they were choosing the sippy cup for the new year. I was like, what is happening in here? And it was it was cup selection day. But uh, anyway, Jill, thank okay, you so thank much you. for coming on. Really, really appreciate it um, and hope you uh, have a great evening. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks Jill. for letting me drink wine on the podcast. This is no so fun. Problem. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right. Thank you, Jill. Bye. Uh, Thank bye, you, Jillian. So you enjoyed that conversation. I thought it was really fun. 
It was fun. You know, again, my early days of TMZ, I look back so fondly, dude. Like Jillian hit it on the head with how much of a family all these people have been and still are to me. I'm telling you, like there's a on Facebook, there's like these two photos that I swear to God pop up every year. And it's a group photo from the first days of TMZ and all of us are tagged on it. So every year it kind of like jumps back up into our timeline and we all comment on it. So it literally has comments, yearly comments on it. And it's just one of those fun things that we're like, oh, here it is. It's popped up again. Um, But no, I I had so much fun and love these people. And this was fun to have Jillian on someone that I've known forever and who's been there through this whole journey with me. Yes. Well, thank you, Jillian, for coming on the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you and like and subscribe the video. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok. We have a private Facebook group called Off the Record, which just join. I'm telling you, you'll join. You'll be happy. We appreciate that. Leave a review. It's the best thing to do to support the podcast. Follow me, Adam Adam Glenn. Follow Dax Holt at Dax Holt. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. A Huda Media Production.